This should be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go to Island Life, man. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 103.7 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with C.D. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Louisiana Saturday morning. Of course, we're coming to you live and in living color from the beautiful, palatial, opulent. A lot of big words there on a Saturday. But of course, it's always the 103.7 The Game Studios we're coming from. And appreciate you listening in wherever you are, however you're doing. So be it through the free 1037 The Game mobile app, Amazon smart speakers, 1037thegame.com, or through that old school FM down the Tower of Power that is 1037 The Game. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. And we are feeling good. Hey, we got two hours to get to a ton of stuff. So, man, I'm absolutely pumped up to be with you. And as always, 337-706-0111. A little bit of time to get your shots up, but not as much as you may think. Because trust me, we got a lot to get to. And we got a lot to cover. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not going to get to it all right here, right now. But the good news is, is I got the time. You're damn right I've got the time, and I'm here with you. Hey, we got a lot of things to kind of talk about. Obviously, we're going to get to some stuff involving the college football playoff, the final coming up this Monday. The New Orleans Saints NFL Week 18 is upon us. Later today, we're going to have some NFL football right here on 103.7 The Game. Thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League. And trust me, that's going to be a lot of fun to kind of get down into the minutiae. Of all this. But speaking of getting down to minutia, let's get down to the brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. And I think everybody over the last few weeks has been feeling extra salty, a lot of high sodium. Maybe it's because of the holidays, but I think it's more because of a lot of guys leaving the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and heading out. One well, of the more recent ones, Amani Bailey, Montrell Johnson, losing two out of your three star running backs to the transfer portal. Osiris Torrance, Makai Garner, the list goes on and on. Some players are going to stick around, but it looks like the group is getting a little bit smaller. The core of this team is losing some workhorses, if you will. So I had to ask myself, why are people this, you know, 
BH. You need the Boudreaux's butt paste. And honestly, there's a lot of things to get into it when it comes to that. Because ever since Billy Napier made his way over to Gainesville, the state of Cajun football has taken a major hit. I think the reputation of Billy Napier has hurt him over here. But I think it's more sour grapes than anything. I'll get to that in a moment. But you think about it. The expectation, keyword expectation, Napier, a lot like what he did when he left Arizona State and split and took his offensive coordinator with him in Rob Sale, who's now part of the New York Giants organization. I'm sure maybe he could finagle and find his way to Gainesville. He probably would too, but that's a different conversation. But he took Patrick Tony and Jabbar Jaluk, two of his star pupils, over there because of what each bring to the table. Tony's become a great defensive mind in his first two seasons, and Jaluk obviously has a reputation. It precedes himself. He has helped develop great talent at the running back position and has been a great recruiter at a lot of his previous stops. And we kept hearing, myself, I heard Raymond Parsh III, RP3, mention this a lot. The fact that there was a gentleman's agreement. There's a handshake agreement that, you know, guys, he won't be taking players and coaches on mats. That's changed. Now, that's gotten some of them, some of the fan base bent out of shape, more so because of the players. But I'm going to go ahead and break it down in a lot of different ways because I think there needs to be perspective and POV on this because there's a lot of stuff going around. A lot of people are hating Billy Napier for what he's doing. Here's the thing. It's not quite black and white. There's some gray area in this, and I'll explain it. Because when you have a successful program at one place, especially a program like Louisiana, and you want to try and move up in the world, you got to bring as many big names as you can and names that you know you can rely on. And to a certain extent, Billy Napier had hired all these guys. He knows what all these guys bring to the table. There's no need to interview other guys. And they're not. it's not like he's taking every single assistant coach and then some taking a bunch of guys to where Michael Desimo can't really field a coaching staff that's going to get you to the promised land of a 10-win season for for another year. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, you've had a third straight 10-win season. You only had one loss, and that was against a Texas team that definitely kind of humbled you a little bit. But you end the season, more likely than not, a top 25 team, according to the coaches and AP polls when those come out at the end of the year. You probably want to cook with the same ingredients when you've had a successful program when you jump over to another place. And I have no qualms about that. We see it all the time with certain upper management people. When they, when some people leave, they will try and take some with them. And I can't blame these guys. Because think about it. If you, in your, whatever industry you're in, whatever industry you're in, put, put yourself in in somebody else, in those coaches' shoes. Let's say, let's say you're a coach and somebody offers you an opportunity, keyword opportunity, to move up in the world, a vertical move, and still work for the same guy. And it's the same industry, and you have a chance to do so. Don't have to worry about non-competes or whatever. Let's go ahead and just put that hypothetical out there. Would you take that opportunity, or would you say, nah, I feel... Like, I'm much more indebted to the people I'm currently with. 
I think nine times out of ten, again, this is my personal opinion versus fact. I think I would take the opportunity to move up vertically if the opportunity were to arise. I think that'd be everybody who's listening to the show right now. Because it gives them a better chance to make a bit of money and be a better provider for their family. That's a really great idea to get somebody there and have it be a vertical move. You're always wanting to move up in the industry. If you have a chance to take this opportunity, why the hell not? I think this is an expected thing that you're at least going to try. Make Because my thing is, when it comes to this kind of stuff, the coaches, I'm almost certain they're like, I'm going to make him say no. And the Cajuns, they've done well by getting a lot of guys that were part of the culture in the past, getting, quote unquote, the band back together. So I can't necessarily say, hey, you left Dez in a little bit of a hole. But he's managed to pull himself out of it a little bit more. But then I got a lot of people talking about it as well. The videographer, I was hearing my five names earlier this week in an all-fair conversation we had, saying, you know, the why did the Cajuns videographer go? I'm like, trust me, it's the exact same situation, but also it speaks to Billy Napier and how much he knows how important social media is when it comes to recruiting and the promotion of a program because you put your program over with these great social media videos and hype videos that you put up on Twitter and YouTube and everything in between, those get huge engagement. Those get more eyes on the product. And when you're a head coach, you have to get as many eyes on your product as possible. Trust me. Go look at what the Cajuns have produced over the last few years with their videographer, Doug Doming. No relation. I think that made sense to get him over there. And those videos... Probably did pretty darn well. Other programs across the country, LSU, case in point, those hype videos, even during the last couple of years where the chips have been down a little bit, I guarantee you those videos are still getting pretty damn good engagement. And it's a lot like what Dogecoin was at one point last year and going to the moon. The numbers were probably pretty damn good in the first 24 hours, which really matters when it comes to social media analytics and how things were time spent watching, all that stuff. I guarantee you those numbers were pretty damn strong. I can understand those guys. I can understand that entirely. That said, the one part I think we can all agree with that's gotten stuck in the craw of a lot of fans is the players transferring and going ahead and moving over. And many fans are painting Billy Napier as a villain because of that. But here's the thing. Not all of them are probably going to go to Florida. They're ending the transfer portal to find a better opportunity for them. Yes, there are some guys that have already transferred, and could possibly transfer. I think a guy like Osiris Torrance, if he goes there, more power to him. Because guess what? He has a golden opportunity to improve himself and also improve his stock when it comes to the NFL draft. Because if he does extremely well for Florida, then I'm almost certain, more likely than not, he could be a first or second round pick in next year's draft. Because he is that good of a talent to probably be a mid a day two type of guy, mid-third round, fourth round type cat. And that's not a knock. I think there's more to it with some of these guys because at the end of the day, you were loyal to Billy Napier. It's a lot like what I mentioned with Miles Brennan. Turns out I was wrong. Mind you, I think also that has a lot to do with the fact that you hired somebody like Brian Kelly who re-recruited him to come back. 
But if you were that loyal to one guy, why would you stick around? That's kind of the question we're all wondering with these things. And again, everybody wants to say, you know, it's he's poaching them and doing legal recruiting and stuff like that. We don't know and we probably won't know unless there's an in-depth investigation. I don't think we're going to damn thing about how it goes down behind the scenes because, let's be honest, the NCAA has let it be the wild, wild west, especially now with name, image, and likeness and letting the transfer portal be a complete bleep show. We talked about this a lot a few weeks ago. The trouble with transfer portals. There's a lot of problems. But you can't quite cure all the ills just like that. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to really develop a plan. And there's no way every single one of those players is going to make their way over to Gainesville overnight and move on like the Baltimore Colts did to Indianapolis. These teams only have so many scholarships to go around and only so many spots on the roster to go around and, more importantly, to get money off of their name, image, and likeness. I understand there will be some, keyword some, not all, are going to transfer to four. There's some guys that have that talent to make a make it too deep. I That's my thing. When it comes to the, the way the NCAA works in the transfer portal, and if you're coming from a group of five program to a power five program, you have to be a guy that has that talent to make that too deep. Because if not, you're, all due respect, kind of wasting your time. Because it's going to be tough to crack that crack that ceiling because barring anything out of the ordinary like injuries case in point Elijah Mitchell Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers now is a lot like a lot of these Cajun players that would that could transfer over to a power five program Elijah Mitchell got a lottery ticket he was a late round draft pick this year guys got injured he was able to take advantage of that opportunity and put together one of the best rookie seasons for the 49ers in franchise history and that pains me to say that because he's playing for the cheaters, as Kevin Foote likes to say. And I'm not a huge fan of him either. Not necessarily as much hatred for them as Kevin Foote. I'm probably much more of a Rams hater because, mind you, I grew up more hating the Rams because the Rams were always just a pain in my neck in the late 90s and early 2000s. The fact you had to play him like twice in a two games in a row to end, your, to end the season and then the wild card round in 2000. Yeah, I'm definitely still a little bit salty about that. That said, for those that don't like what's going on, I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. And if you disagree with what I'm saying here about how it's kind of all part of the game and people who are painting Billy Napier like a villain, even though, like, because, again, it's innocent until proven guilty. But I think everybody's flipping that around and it's a guilty until proven innocent type thing because it's your guys. And I understand that. But you got to realize, some of these guys are doing what's best for them. Because guess what? If you ain't looking out for number one, you don't want to step it up at number, step it at number two. That's all I'm going to say because that's how it is in life. You can't just be loyal to one place. You can't just do that and expect things to get better. You've got to know that if you ain't looking out for number one, number one is you and your family. You could very well be stepping in number two. And that's what these that's what these guys had to make that tough decision. Trust me, it's tough, especially for someone with families and young kids. I guarantee you, Billy, 
probably had to make some tough decisions about moving on because he also had to keep in mind his family, his kids, and everything. There's always give and take in all this. Now, what happens beyond the next few weeks when we start to hear more and more about who's moving over to the transfer portal, then we can kind of like connect the dots. But I feel like there's just there's people want an investigation. I just don't think an investigation is going to happen unless we see an NCAA wide investigation because it's not just Florida. I think it's a certain extent Alabama and other programs as well that are doing something like this and taking advantage of the NIL. But I don't think it'll ever be really a talking point going forward. Again, purely my opinion. We go out to the 1037 the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Hello, you're under the dome. Hey, yes, sir. James here. How you doing today? I'm doing good, James. How about you, man? Uh, good. I wonder if I could uh, chime in on the subject of the uh, transfer portal and everybody being upset about uh, players leaving UL. Hell yeah. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, this year I-, I bit the bullet. We bought season tickets for the family. We- we've been here about 10 years. We always made a few games. This year we really committed. We enjoyed it. But, you know, Lafayette's got a long, uh, you know, UL's got a long way to go. University of Louisiana's got a long way to go, right? Um, we didn't support them with attendance. I was there. I saw it. You know, the uh, stadium's not run well. Concessions are a nightmare. We need to really step up if we want to be that next-level program yeah. that will keep people. Not dismissing what was done this year. It was great. But I think Billy Napier's smart. He moved on at the pinnacle. He didn't wait a uh, season too long like Hudsmith. And uh, it's just what we have to address. we got to get better if we want to keep these people. We can't blame others. Oh, no, exactly, exactly. I, I, that's, that's my point. I appreciate the call, James. I'm going to hit a break and a timeout in just a moment. But I'm going to go ahead and touch base on that when we come back. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We've got good friend AJ Spur on. We're talking some college football playoff with him at the bottom of the hour, probably a little bit more like 1035-ish because I want to get to his take because I like what he just said about the fact that you know, and I get where he's coming from. The attendance and the fan base didn't buy in until it was almost too late. Like there was fans that were all in on this, but the attendance didn't show. Now, mind you, there's a lot of other like questions and statements that we need to make before we say, "Oh, hey, it's because of attendance." There's a lot of factors, and I'll explain that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. We got a few minutes before we get to AJ Spur. If you want to call up, 337-706-0111. And I want to reset what we had from James because I love the take about the Cajuns because there's a lot of things to unpack here about what he said. And I'll start by saying yes, I agree with all that he said about how the attendance was was great this season. I, I wish I had done what I've done in the past. Maybe I'll do some research and drop some stuff tomorrow and bring back stats Sunday for one day only. But I'm almost certain 
the numbers in terms of attendance for the Cajuns this year more than any other were the highest, I think, just in terms of an average and a guesstimation. Now, mind you, you had one extra game. I'm almost certain your total is going to be better than it has been in the last like five, six years since 2016. Since the end of the 2016 season, because you go look back, 2017 was one of the lowest number attendance since it's been as far back as I can go into the record books. And this is going back to the last year of Ricky Bustle. Because last year, Ricky Bustle was a That's kind of what it was for Mark Hudspeth. Billy Napier, on the other hand, it was almost every year, it felt like things just went up and up and up. And obviously, I think last year, you would have had higher numbers if not for the pandemic kind of kind of throwing a monkey wrench in all this. Again, we're still dealing with it, but the fact that fans were able to be in the stands is a great thing. Now, I also think that one of the reasons why the numbers were so much better, and maybe the, the Cajun field was underprepared for that, was because of the fact that there were more people because they were making it easier for people to go. If you've gone see a game over the last few years, full disclosure, I've been a credentialed member of the media in the past, so I have been able to get a parking pass and be able to park close to Cajun Field. Before last season, if I'm not, I again, I didn't go to a single game last year because of the pandemic and, you know, literally some games were going on while I was on the air. But when I was going to the games, when I wound up going to the first game of the season, this season, and I went as a fan, it was free parking over across the street from Cajun Field. That was the first time I can think of in a long time they actually had free parking. That entices people to go. Because, let's be honest, money's always kind of tight in some cases. And I think that's going to entice more to go. That's going to be more intriguing for people to actually wind up going. So, that may have been a reason why we saw the concession stands be an absolute you know, mess. And I think it's also, there was just no rhyme or reason because there's so many people and you were kind of overpowered. And they, they were trying to improve that over the course of the season. And I, again, don't know, only went to one other game this year and that was some championship game. And I was more of a member of the media there. Walked about like 10 miles that day. Yeesh. So when I went down it's just seeing all those fans at the final game of the year, the Sunbelt Championship game, was a great thing to see because it's about damn time. We saw it because I was saying it for years. If you don't get 30000 here, you're never going to get 30000 You actually did it. And again, I got to give y'all tons of credit. And I don't do that enough. Give the fans credit. They showed up, showed out, and made a statement that I think the Cajun Nation can be absolutely proud of. But I agree with what all James said about the fan base, the attendance, everything. I think there's also been, you know, the the administration at UL, Dr. Brian Maggard, Nico Yanko, and the whole crew, they've learned. They've adapted. They've, they've taken everything they've done over the last five years, which is crazy to think about. They've been here... In the case of Dr. Brian Maggard, it's been over almost, if I'm not mistaken, it's been like five, six years since he took over the program. 
as the athletic director, as the director of athletics. He's been the guy. And he's done a fantastic job. And he's learned from some of the issues. Like I've said, when you have the situation with, you know, paid parking, that inhibited attendance because it was mainly people that were going to pay for the tickets and pay for the parking. Honestly, paying for the paying just for the tickets and paying for your food, that's going to get more people in the door. That's going to get more fans interested and invested in your product. Now, when it comes to the amenities and making things better, that's coming. That part is coming. And I think it's coming very soon. I'd say probably the next two to three years, we're going to have a brand new stadium and things are going to look better. Now, what happens in that interim period? I've Again, this is purely what I have heard. Do not take my word for it. Do not take my word as gospel. But this is what I've heard in the rumor and innuendo world is during one of those seasons, one season in the not-too-distant future, they could be playing Lake Charles. There is a chance they could be playing Lake Charles, Louisiana, or somewhere else because of the renovation efforts that are going to be done because it's going to be an entire overhaul. Again, this is just from what I've heard. When this date is, no idea, but it's something to keep mind of in the not-too-distant future because once we see those renovations and more importantly, the amenities are improved and you have more opportunity for those VIP experiences, I think Cajun Field is going to become an even more interesting place to be. Yes, sometimes on television it looks like it's not that many, but I think once things change and the way you know things are presented and the press box is improved, and more importantly, the way the camera angles are, that's going to be improved. I guarantee you, you're going to see a much better pro- overall product, and the fans are going to look like they're more there rather than you largely just seeing one side that's kind of half full sometimes, especially when it comes to some of these non-conference games where the cages are beaten down a SWAC team by 20 at halftime or like the Texas Southern game where they're winning by like 40, that kind of thing. You're going to see more fans, especially when it comes to bigger games. But again, that's just my thoughts. Hopefully, they're yours as well. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get on AJ Spur, part of Roll Tide Wire. We're going to talk about the college football playoff national championship. Surprisingly, Bama, I believe I haven't looked at it because they're not part of my Valley Fave bets to click. Where is I already hammered down on that, actually with the Alabama-Georgia game early on when the line was. It looks like they're still two-and-a-half-point dogs. We'll talk about that and more next right here on 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Back after this with more Under the Dome with CD. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder these go to 11 now back to the show that brings the heat on acadiana sports station 1037 the game welcome back to under the dome with cd right here on 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com 
Coming to you live from the 1037 The Game Studios. Hopefully you are enjoying yourself right about now. I know I'm out here enjoying a Saturday morning because that much closer to the final college football game of the season. And it looks to be a good to great one between two SEC teams. And we're going to go over to the 1037 The Game Hotline and talk with our guy, A.J. Spur, a phenomenal writer, part of USA Today's Wire and writes for Roll Tide Wire. AJ, how you doing, man? Doing mighty fine. Counting down the days until this game, and then I'll start counting down the days until college football's back again. So <laughs> that's so, the, I'm getting by. That's the way to be, especially when you're you're covering Alabama, because you know the like within an hour after the game's over, win or lose, you're going to see Alabama be a strong favorite to win the 2023 national championship in those way too early kind of kind of bet lines that you see either the either like right after hours after or the next morning like it's it's wild to see how quickly those lines pop up no you see those lines go crazy you see players start committing um shortly after championship games you'll see players start declaring for the draft i mean don't trust me there's no shortage of content uh, for roll tide wire, believe me that. I can about imagine, man. And you know, let's start start off looking back at the semifinal matchup against Cincinnati. The end result was what we expected, but not necessarily the final score. It felt a little bit more competitive than I think many people gave Cincinnati any amount of credit for. Am I wrong there? No, not at all. I think Cincinnati proved what they wanted to prove. You know what. Uh, the entire group of five, and really what a lot of college football fans from across the country wanted to see. Uh, no one truly believed Cincinnati was going to walk away from that game victorious, um, but it was still a win in the sense that they were able to show, you know, we can compete. You know, we may not be a Power Five program, but that doesn't mean we lack the talent, the coaching ability, and the skill to compete with Power Five guys. You know, at the end of the day, it's all D1 FBS. You know, and I think what they've shown was, you know, if you're going to put Oklahoma and Notre Dame in the college football playoff year after year and watch them get blown out, you know, give us an opportunity to show you we may lose, but not necessarily get, you know, blown out of the water. And I think they did just that. So um, I'm interested to see where they begin next season ranked because, you know, opening up the season ranked high, you have the opportunity to kind of push your way through, especially if you're in the top 10 into that top four um, ranking, and it'll be a little bit easier throughout the season to hold on to a you know, top four spot to make the college football playoff rather than being ranked outside the top 15 or even unranked at all. And at that point, it's an uphill battle that you're probably not going to win. And it's been wild to see this team. It's like every now and again you'll have a moment where, it, to a certain extent, Alabama will play down to the competition. The next thing you know, the next game, they're out there absolutely firing off on all cylinders, but this is a little bit different of a different situation. Alabama's playing a Georgia team they just played at the beginning of December in the SEC championship game. They're kind of having to go through this again playing a Georgia team who pretty much took them to the limit a few years ago in the national championship game, and if not for a last-second heave, Georgia could very well have won a national title. We wouldn't be talking about another Georgia team blowing a big lead. What was what's kind of the big takeaway for you seeing this t- game being a rematch, especially when you think about the history 
And how about 10 years ago, Alabama was in a rematch of the century against LSU, and they dominated that contest after losing 9-6. You know, this is one of those situations where I'm going to assume nothing's going to change. Sure, these two teams faced off, I mean, roughly a month ago, you know, to the day, and they know what the other team offers. But when you really take a step back and think about it, what can change besides maybe slight um, tweaks to the game plan? You know, Alabama's not going to try and run it up, you know, the gut against Georgia and Jordan Davis. That's just not going to happen. Bryce Young is going to go out there. He's going to look for Jameson Williams, Ja'Cory Brooks, Slade Bolden. You know, you name it. Bryce Young is going to have to do his thing much like he did um, in the SEC championship game. Flip the coin. Same thing applies uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Stetson Bennett had an amazing game against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. But if you really look at his stats um, from the SEC championship game, he had really an all-around better game with exception to those two interceptions that he thrown. So when you really need to think about this rematch here, what's going to be different? And I really cannot put my finger on anything specific that that needs to change or can change. It, it almost just seemed like this game in the SEC championship was pretty even all the way through, you know, and then Alabama got hot there in the second half and just ran away with it. Kirby Smart, you know, he's, what, 0-5 now against Nick Saban. It, it's clear it's not the talent on the field. You know, it's not the lack of ability um, on behalf of the players. This is clearly a coach versus coach situation. This isn't David versus Goliath. Here. This is Goliath versus Goliath. And Nick Saban has, you know, the mentality and the mindset to easily and readily adapt in game. And I think that's what we've seen time and time again, because you look at the 2018 SEC championship or the 2017 national championship, uh, where that last Eve, you know, to win the game was thrown by a true freshman quarterback that was put in at halftime. You know, Jalen Hurts goes into the game and they change the game plan in 2018 after Tua gets hurt. Um, it just always seems like there's some sort of trick up Nick Saban's sleeve, whether he knows it or not going into the game, there's going to be something, you know, that completely alters uh, the outcome of the game. And then casual fans may or may not be able to see it. It may be a change in quarterback or it could be just a change in assignments on defense. Um, you know, So I think it really does come down to those little teeny tiny coaching decisions uh, that will impact the outcome of the game. What do you say about uh, Bryce Young? Obviously, this program's had a lot of great quarterbacks over the last few years, namely Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts as well. But how impressed have you been by the way, you know, Bryce has done over the course of the season because it's I I was blown away to see it's like every single year I think you know wins that year Alabama's like offensive play and more importantly play a quarterback is going to come back to bite them in the backside but the last few years every time there's a different quarterback in house they just completely and utterly blow our minds we actually see quarterbacks translating well for this program that's always been more kind of the 10 yards cloud of dust type team with players like Mark Ingram over the last decade plus. Well, Bryce Young, let me tell you, heading into this season, I'm not going to say expectations for him were necessarily low because when it comes to this fan base and really the, the Crimson Tide program as a whole, 
there are no such thing as lowered expectations. You know, every year it's, it's national championship, national championship, strive for the top. And especially after that Texas A&M loss, everyone thought this season was, you know, over and done. Uh, but Bryce Young heading into the season, Bill O'Brien, you know, first year offensive coordinator. Um, they lose Jalen Waddle. They lose Devontae Smith. Um, they have first-year transfer from Ohio State, who really was a backup for the Buckeyes, Jamison Williams. John Mechie, who's a junior at this point, was fixing to be the veteran leader of this offense that no one really had heard all too much from. You know, he'd been behind a few, you know, star wide receivers that are now in the NFL. So no one truly, truly thought this sophomore that really did not see any good playing time his freshman season under Mac Jones was going to come in and light the show up. And at first he didn't. There were a lot of uh, questions about his decision-making abilities, his arm strength. You know, if he can run the ball, is he scared to escape the pocket? Um, There were a lot of things like that uh, that we saw. And, you know, the turning point for me uh, that I noticed was the Florida game in Gainesville. I remember there was a play – in the red zone where Bryce Young could have easily ran the ball into the end zone, and it, that, that would have put the nail in the coffin on the Gators. Bama would have had a solid lead by multiple possessions, and, and it would have been said and done. Instead, he decided to throw it and, and missed his guy by a mile, and a lot of people you know, after the game started talking about, is he able to hold this role? Since that game, and he must have been listening, he must have been reading all the comments online, because since that game... He has completely turned around. He's not afraid to run the ball. He knows when it's time to escape the pocket. He knows when it's time to throw the ball away, which has been an issue with other Alabama quarterbacks in the past. He, he just seems to be the perfect combination of the three quarterbacks you mentioned, Mac Jones, Tua Tungabailoa, and Jalen Hurts. He can do it all. And, I mean, I, I'm you know scared to see what he's going to be able to do next season uh, with a you know more experienced offensive uh, skill position cast. And looking at the game, obviously, Monday night, you're going to see Alabama-Georgia square off, as you mentioned, for the second time in about a month's time. What do you think is going to be the key to victory for Alabama? Oh, gosh. Um, You you can never know. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, you're not going to be able to run the ball against Georgia. You're going to have to pass it. Overall game plan heading into this, and this has been my take on this Georgia team all season long, and the first time I really saw a team uh, do this was Tennessee very, very early in the game before it you know, got out of hand. Um, I think with Georgia, what you need to do is shut down their offense completely. In order to win the game, offense needs to score points. The defense is strong, very strong. All right. And, you know, clearly Alabama got the best of them in the SEC championship game, but here they are, you know, hungry, defeated after the SEC championship, and we saw what they just did to Michigan. Take advantage of every open look the defense gives you and shut down the offense. It seems plain and simple, but truly, a low-scoring game in this one is my prediction, and, and I really just think Bryce Young has to light up this Georgia secondary, which isn't going to be an easy thing to do, but you are not going to have a good time against this uh, Georgia defensive front right now. AJ, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and more importantly, the big game on Monday night in Indy. 
Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. Y'all have a good one. All right. That was AJ Spur, part of Roll Tide Wire. Great little preview. And again, you know, I said it last week, don't bet against Bama. That's the line, and that's the perfect way to kind of end this segment, especially when you're Alabama's two-and-a-half-point dogs. You never, ever, ever bet against Bama. Going to take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more. Speaking of bets, I got five NFL picks to click this weekend. Maybe you want to put some cash on that. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And it is a show for the degenerates. So why don't I give you five picks to click to wrap up our number one in style. And I'll go first with the game later on today. Dallas taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me Dallas straight up over Philly. They're four-point favorites. I think the Eagles are going to be outclassed. They're playing in a big game. But I think Dallas wins to head into the playoffs with some form of momentum. The Detroit Lions, they've been a team that's been mired in heartbreak. And they're taking on the Green Bay Packers. I'll go with them covering. I'm probably going to wind up regretting it, especially on a parlay. But I got Detroit covering a three and a half point spread against the Green Bay Packers. Yes, Joe Burrow's not playing. But give me Cincinnati straight up against Cleveland because Let's be honest, Cleveland is also playing without their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. So give me the Bengals winning straight up against Cleveland, plus six-point dogs. Miami, they're six-and-a-half-point dogs against the New England Patriots. Give me the Dolphins to cover over New England. The last pick I've got for this weekend, we got to go over to the state of New York with the New York football J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 They've been G-O-D-A-W-F-U-L this year and every year. But they're playing the Buffalo Bills. They're 16.5-point dogs. And this is a team that, for a certain time, was actually beating Tom Brady. You heard that statement right. Give me the New York football Jets covering a 16.5-point spread against the Buffalo Bills. Yes, no one circles the wagons like them. But I think this is the week where that conversation flips on its head there. But that's the picks to click for this week. Next week, obviously, we'll have the NFL playoffs. Getting a few picks to click there. Then we're going to start shifting over to college hoops and looking at those spreads with much anticipation, with bated breath. And I cannot wait to do that because I've been having fun doing this during football season. But I want to keep this thing going, keep this gravy train rolling because eventually we'll have online sports betting. Sports betting is actually going on right now. No, over in Opelousas, a stone's throw away from the first, from the one three seven game studios. I can go check them out and go ahead and place a bet. Maybe I'll go somewhere else and place a bet. I don't know, but I'll tell you this: you can throw down some ducats right now physically. But once the online sports betting happens, that's when it's really fun. So I'm going to start kind of 
adapting it more towards bets throughout the season and stuff that's not starting at 11 a.m. That's that's the rule, essentially. That is the one and only rule of that. Hour two coming up next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Back after this.